This episode of the Wedding Film School Show is brought to you by Musicbed, the best music licensing platform for wedding filmmakers. Head over to themusicbed.com and enter our code WFS on checkout to get a free month on your annual wedding subscription. Now, on to the show. Hey, wedding filmmakers, stop doing this. How many times have you worked with somebody and they're like, hey, I'm like super laid back, man, I'm really cool. And then you get to the day, you're like, oh my God, they're a nightmare. The main thing that we come across is people that are like, you watch their film and at the end of the film, you think about it for a second, you go, that film was about three minutes too long. Putting sawdust in the soup. You're just having it be filler, which is gross. Gross filler. You don't want to do that in a wedding film. You want to make your films feel punchy. Don't just do crap just because, like, even listening to this podcast, like, use your freaking brain. I'm going to get right in my bed. Uh, why you going to try to get mad? Uh, everybody want to keep up. Uh, don't you know I'm too fast? Uh, I'm going to zip, zip right past. Uh, drip, drip all on my swag. Uh, all right, hello and welcome to the Wedding Film School Show. Again, my name is Jared and I'm here with my business partner and friend, Mr. Jason McCutcheon in the house. How's it going, Jay? Good, we're just a couple of wedding filmmakers in the middle of all our gear. Yeah, hanging out in our gear. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, you see the mess that we're in uh, to our, our buddy Grant Fitzgerald who always is, is wondering when we're gonna get in the office. Uh, we're, we're in it, we are in it. Uh, this is not what it's gonna look like, uh, we are still uh, trying to move from our partially, old office, partially, but we're mostly done. They're putting, they're finalizing floors today as we speak, as we speak, in floors are room. being put on in the <clears> other <throat> room, but yeah, we're here about to get started with our wedding season. What is it? No, it's oh, Jesus May already. It's May. Here we are. May, 2022. The season is really kicking off at least for us and, and probably for people across the country and across the globe. Yeah, um, and we are going to be here doing the wedding film school show on a bi-weekly basis. We're still going to bring you shows uh, week in uh, and week out um, every other week. That is <laughs> live streaming is getting going again. And yep, as soon as we're in here, the plan is to start doing the wedding film uh, live show, um, which traditionally we've done on Thursday. But I think, already, I think we're going to do it. Do it um, we're going to do it midday going forward. Um, Why is that? Explain that a little bit. Well, we have an international audience, <clears throat> A, so it's very late for some of our European friends. Yep. We want them to be able to watch. Um, additionally, I think a lot of people are just sitting around editing, and they'd rather have kind of a all, live stream All the on. day drinkers out there can so be a if part you're, of it. So if you're a wedding filmmaker and you're just sitting around editing, we want to be like your background noise. Yep. So. Yep. <laughs> and, and the idea there, you know, traditionally um, wedding film school live has always been um, – a live show, so so broadcast right on YouTube, um, where we've done film critiques, um, and we've done website critiques, we've done some pricing critiques, um, and in the future, I think we're gonna try to make it maybe a little bit more entertaining as well. So it's not just straight education; it is just a fun show where we're hanging out, and we want you to come hang out with us as well. So more details on when that will be launched shortly. We don't want to schedule a certain date and then fall short. So uh, we are just waiting till we're in, till we're set up. Um, and uh, But that should be coming out shortly. So today, on today's episode, we're going to be having a conversation about something, because I'm, I'm in a salty mood, Jared. When are you not in a salty mood? Oh, today I'm, I'm extra salty. <laughs> so, so I was like, let's do something. Let's take advantage of that. And, and so today's episode is quite frankly something I'm looking forward to talking about, which is, hey, wedding filmmakers, stop doing this. 
Um, but hopefully we're going to give you some, you know, first of all, this is our opinion. Hopefully our opinion is a little more like we know what we're talking about. So if it's at all beneficial to you, great. If you think it's ridiculous and dumb and you don't like our opinions, then don't listen to them. Do whatever you want to do. <laughs> this is what we always talk about. And, and I think the thing that we're maybe a little bit salty on is like, you know, wedding videography is not a monolith. Like it's not, there's not one approach to doing this. And that's really exciting to me. I was talking to some people, um, on, I think it was on Facebook. We're old. We use Facebook still. Facebook. Um, yeah, the fa the Facebook with all the old people. Um, but we're on Facebook. We're having this discussion just about like wedding education and, and wedding filmmakers in general. And um, the thing that's really exciting to me is that there's a bunch of different people doing a bunch of different things right now. Where yes. maybe like five years ago, it was pretty much like a lot of people doing the same old stuff. And maybe there are a couple outliers. Nowadays, it's like you have destination people, you have people that are local, you have people that specialize in event coverage, you have people that specialize in elopements. We're kind of all over the place. Everyone has a, a different kind of style. Um, and that's really fun and exciting. So. Yeah, even with the stuff you're able to produce. So, but t so today's episode, we're going to outline basically a bunch of stuff that we think wedding filmmakers, well, we know, wedding filmmakers do yeah. that we think they should not be doing. And hopefully we'll also be able to give you um, a few alternatives. Um, uh, hopefully it's a little bit funny and entertaining, but also hopefully you're learning a little. It's it's maybe a little bit of a come to Jesus moment for some people. Like, yeah, you're probably right. Yep. yep. So, but the, the important thing is that you know this is just things that we've seen. You know, um, in, in our case, that um, maybe are a little bit overvalued right now. Um, and so, yeah, just again, our opinion, uh, and, and what works for us, I think it is a little bit contrarian for, for contrarian sake in some cases, but, uh, I, I think there are, there are some good points here. So, um, the first one clearly is not stop buying gear as we sit in the midst of all of our, <laughs> all of our gear on our table as we're doing inventory and making sure that everything is, is working. Uh, we'll, which we'll, you should all do, by the way, we'll post a photo on Instagram to show you how ridiculous this looks right now because <laughs> it's, it's so funny uh, just sitting in all of our treasures like Donald Duck in his, uh, in his vault of money. <laughs> uh, so, so let's go through the, the five, uh, the five things we have on our list. Give them so a little recap. Give, give them a, a little pre recap. Um, so stop doing this. Stop pissing off the photographer. Stop using log. Stop being cheap on storage. Stop screwing yourself with bad packages. And the last one is stop idolizing destination work. So hopefully we triggered you a little bit, at least with one of those, right? <laughs> um, I think uh, the first one let, let's dive into first is stop pissing off the photographer. And I think this is one that most people can probably agree on, right? Um, what does that mean to you, Jason? I'm not sure people do agree on it, though. You don't think so? I have seen... I remember when we posted a video when we first started doing wedding film school and people were like, Oh, you're kissing the photographer's butt. And like, we need to stand up for ourselves. And like, I know a lot of people who have that opinion that basically like photographers are screwing us and we need to like make a stand against these evil people. And we're like, like that's their kind of like approach. And I'm not saying that there's nothing to that. Like, you, sh you should be a doormat. You should let them do whatever they want. We're not saying that. And I think what's critically important is I do think most people would agree with our actual point, which is you should be an advocate and like good to work with. But I, I, I think what they don't understand is where is that line? 
like when you're crossing that line, right? When you're like constant, when you're like, I've seen a bunch of people like, what am I supposed to do? They want me to, you know, my center position on my tripod. And my, I always tell them, I'm like, you should never set that up. And they're like, well, how am I supposed to get that shot? I'm like, I don't know, man, handheld it, do it on a monopod, do it on a gimbal. Well, why does that photographer have to have that? No, like literally a photographer, like you do photography. How would you, could you shoot a wedding and not have that shot? What, like a center aisle a shot? A center aisle shot. No, no, that, that's where the photographer lives. They have to have that shot. And, and so for me, as a person who's a coworker with that person, like for me to have no empathy on their needs, I don't, how am I expecting them to have empathy for my needs in that portrait session if I just spent the first, during the entire ceremony, obstructing their work yeah so i think in theory people agree but in practice they don't understand what the photographer's needs are so a lot of times they end up just pissing them off yeah oh man um there's so many layers to this yes um i i agree with you um i i think a lot of photographers probably or i'm sorry a lot of filmmakers don't even realize how much they're pissing off the photographer um and how much work they're losing because of that mm -hmm. um they think like, well, yeah, I'm going to like establish myself and I'm going to shoot a great film and that will win everyone. And over. then I'll no longer have to deal with these idiots. Well, it's almost like they just think like because I'm talented, it doesn't matter what I act like. I can act like an asshole all day as long as I create this great film, you know, and everyone will be happy at the end of the day. And I would say that's actually not true. I would say most people that um, are involved in the wedding day. Um, probably actually everyone except for you and the bride and groom um, or, or bride and bride or groom and groom, whoever um, the couple two marrying people, Mary, marrying people. Yes. Um, <laughs> two marrying just people. Coin a will, phrase? Yes. 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 Awesome. Which is hundred percent accurate. Yes. Um, you and the two marrying people um, are probably the only people that care what it looks like. And you probably care twice as much as, as the couple, right? But they don't care. No one much. else involved cares about you. No, so so you pissing off the photographer, pissing off the planner, pissing off the DJ, everyone involved, they don't care what your wedding film looks like at all. Nor just, like, and the question is, should they? And uh, my opinion is, no. Why should they? No, no. I, I think what they should be concerned about is is being a professional and and getting work, just like you should be concerned about. You should be concerned about being a professional. Um, and for us, the thing that we always tell our team is just treat everyone like an extension of our team. Mm -hmm. You know treat everyone with respect, um, ask questions, be over communicative. And that kind of leads me into my next point. It's just like most problems with photographers can probably be hedged off by um, just having a conversation with them ahead of time. Not always, not always. We worked with photographers that were like, well, we'll probably never get okay, along. Let's, right? let's talk about that photographer really quick. Okay. So that photographer, typically uh, they've been doing it a while. They have their way, they're set in their ways. And more importantly, they, have certain assumptions about what wedding filmmakers are. Yes. There's a lot of things going into their activity, their behavior. And it's not as simple as I hate filmmakers. And so these people, they have their, they're established and what they're kind of usually old dogs. You show up and I had a, I had a photographer one time yell at me in front of the client because I asked them where they wanted to do the getting ready of the bride. And his started shouting at me saying, like literally puts his, my, his finger in my face, wagging his finger at me and goes, 
I'm not doing that. I do not. I am a photojournalist. And I was like, hey, man, whatever you need, whatever I can do to support you. Oh, really? Like posing rings? I saw you doing that. And he starts like, my reaction to that guy was to be like, hey, man, whatever you need. Now, did I crap talk him? Heck yeah, I crap talked him. By the way, that, that was the guy who was wearing a tuxedo. He was wearing a tuxedo. <laughs> I crap talked him. Everyone hated him. He was a jerk. That being said, I didn't argue with him in front of the client. I did everything until he asked me to turn my lights off during the reception. In which case I told him, I, he's like, you don't need light in here. And I said, dude, you have flash. What are you talking about? Like, you know, we need light. Otherwise you wouldn't be adding light to every one of your photos. So get out of here. But like, that's a very rare case. It's so rare. And even then I still worked really hard. Every single time we made a transition, I said, what are your needs? Because I want to kill that guy with kindness. Right. Right. You know, and, and you talk to some wedding filmmakers and, and they act like that photographer is every single weekend. Oh yeah. And, and a lot, I, I've never encountered. We have enough data. We have enough data to tell you that if that's happening every weekend, you're the problem. Yep. Yep. And, and I would say on the other perspective, on the other side of the spectrum, like you have that really established guy who's been around since the seventies has shot, you know, Celine Dion's first wedding or whatever. And they think they're big shots still, even though that was 30 years ago. Um, and then you, I think on the other side, you know, you have this super inexperienced person who can also kind of be a jerk. Who's like, I'm just trying to get my vision and you're screwing that up. And, and they're more like insecure. I find that I encountered that more where yes. I'm like, Hey, I want to do this, this, and this. Yeah. Or they don't have a maybe plan at all. Little, yeah. They don't have a plan. They're stressed. Um, maybe I get a little bit of attitude because they're dealing with something internally. And, and I think that person's much easier to win over because you're like, look, like you just, I don't even have to tell people that I've shot 500 weddings personally. I don't have to tell someone that they just know because I have swag. Like yeah. not, not in a brand, say that in a bragging way, but like you show up in your professional, people can tell, people can tell you've been there before. You're just like, you know, nothing's getting to me. I've seen everything. Like I've literally seen every scenario you could encounter. I know when to rush. I know when I'm going to need certain things, but I'm cool, cool as a cucumber. And that's professionalism, like on site and people feel comfortable. Something that people always say about us is they're like, you made our day feel so easy. And, and just like you went with the flow, you were able to, you know, address problems that we thought were big problems and, and it was butter so, the entire day. So what we're really saying is stop creating unnecessary conflict that has no benefit to you or the client yep. with photographers. And instead of that, try to see them as an opportunity to grow your business. Mm -hmm. Try to imagine that every single one of these photographers has opportunity for you. And we always say as a business, like my clients in some ways are much more the photographer and the, and the planner and the venue, even in the couple, because if you think about who's going to give me repeat business, right? Maybe couples will give you some referrals, all that junk. Yeah. But, but like these people, like once they find someone they like working with, I remember when I worked with Benj Heish and all I did was message him ahead of time. And he, by the way, ignored my messages and I love Benj if you and he sometimes will listen so if you're listening I wasn't offended because he's busy 
He's a successful photographer. And he works with a lot of wedding filmmakers who probably like how many times, how many times have you worked with somebody and they're like, Hey, I'm like super laid back, man. I'm really cool. And then you get to the day you're like, Oh my God, they're a nightmare. Or like you you, (laughs) actually, you just don't know what's going on, dude. You're not laid back. You're just disorganized. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of talking, but for a lot of professionals, it's like put up or shut up. Yeah. What do you like in person? Like for real, but this dude ignored me and I eventually I, I got a hold of him and kind of told him, it was a wedding out in like San Francisco or whatever. Yeah. We went out there, shot. We had a really great time. Um, worked really well together. All that good stuff. And eventually, like, you know, we ended up getting a couple more referrals from him. Worked with him a couple times. And he's a friend and all that stuff. We became friends. We had a great time. We worked together several times. And it all starts with like me, A, I'm not assuming he's a jerk just because he's ignoring me. I'm not assuming he's... I'm assuming he's busy, assuming the best. And I would say, assume the best of all the photographers you work with. Give them ample opportunity to prove you wrong. Yeah, yeah. And if you do that, you might end up making friends. You might end up actually really enjoying yourself. I would think most of the time. This is preaching, you know, preaching to the choir, but I'll be honest. I mean, sometimes I struggle with that. Like I just, I was telling you about a person that I was talking to today. Um, They reached out via Instagram, which is like literally... Someone reaches out to you on Instagram. I'm like, come on, man. You have my email. Like, <laughs> why are you reaching? Because, no, it's because because we're old. Instagram. Well, Instagram hides people's messages. Like, if you aren't following someone, like you have to go into messages and look at like hidden messages to find these things. Sometimes, so it's, it's like the worst. The worst. It's a terrible way to reach out to someone professionally. So if you're doing that, I mean maybe I, I mean i'll do it every once in a while where things aren't important but i had a planner do that and then um i didn't see it forever and then i get a message hello <laughs> you know and i'm like come on man and, and and also i had added this planner to our email chain with the bride and groom they're like hey they haven't gotten any things from you and i went in and i was like i've sent them three messages so far mm-hmm. and 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 i've seen that they've seen it three yep. times and the planner has seen it. Everyone has seen it. Everyone has informed, but they're blaming me for not responding to them. Because you you're know, the, you're the filmmaker. Because she reached out on Instagram. Hello, are you going to respond to me here? No, I, I reached out. I sent you three emails. You haven't responded to my emails. You know, so that, it is tough, and it, it is hard to like, you know, keep cool sometimes with people. And 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 then I look at the the planner, and I'm like, this planner has like. <laughs> 200 followers on Instagram, yeah. even less, like 150 followers. I'm like, I... You go into full-on elitist mode. Yeah. Well, like, no, but it just shows you how inexperienced this yes. person is. That's yes. why they're reaching out on Instagram. And it's like, you know what? I can I can help with this person. Like, I, I have a little bit of grace for them because they just haven't done this for very long. And, like, I just need to get over myself. I mean, the truth is, is, like... Even though I know they're talking smack about me behind their backs. If you are the backs. one with the knowledge and if you're so smart, and you know how it should be operating, then you're the one in control. Right. And so if you're able to take a situation and improve it, that should be your goal. And so right. stop creating adversarial relationships. And I think the other thing is you're killing your creativity because actually some of these people have better ideas than you and you should want to extract that. And the other thing is you're hurting your client experience. It's just there's literally no excuse. Mm-hmm. For make for allowing this to be a regular occurrence in your business and you need to stop. Yep. Stop doing it. Yep. If you keep doing it, you're the problem. And if you want to know why you're the problem, sign up for coaching. Tell me what you do to these people, and I'll tell you wh- wh- 
what you're doing wrong. <laughs> let's uh, let's go on to the next. Uh, Ooh, next I can't point wait for this one. I know this is this is your point. So the next one is stop using log. So explain to people uh, why stop, this one made made. Stop the list. shooting log footage. This one is something that really bothers me because um, I see so many people who are asking basic questions like, "Hey, I'm just." struggling i just shot this footage why is it doing this and why am i doing that how do i make it look good and all this stuff and inevitably almost all the time this person is shooting log which stands for logarithmic footage which is basically a flat profile that kind of extracts all the saturation and all the contrast um and why would you ever want it's terrible looking why would you want this you would want this because it actually gives you more dynamic range and allows you to handle the color in post instead of making a lot of the color decisions in your camera. And this seems like a great idea. So I kind of understand why people do it, um, especially because every single camera now is like jamming in a bunch of log profiles. Every YouTuber is telling you about a log profile you should be using. Every filmmaker is bringing up log profiles. And... I actually have no issue with people shooting log, Jared. I have no issue with people shooting log. I have an issue with people shooting log who don't even understand why they're shooting log or what it does. And they're, they, have, they don't have any basic experience with color. Like I said it before, if you don't know what Rec 709 is, you should not be shooting log yet because you're not even going to understand the baseline you're trying to hit with your final deliverable. And the other thing that bothers me about all the people shooting log is baked into it is this elitist, silly mentality that if you're not shooting log, you're somehow less of a filmmaker. And to me, that's just madness because if you can create a beautiful image in camera, why would you add a bunch of extra steps in post when you can just do that in your camera? Yes, and, and that's, that's where I come in and I'm like, dude, you're trying to do step like v through z when you sh like literally suck at shooting like yes. get better at shooting your focus shouldn't be on log mode like you're tr you're you're tripping yourself up by trying to overcomplicate the process yeah like our team we shoot a ton of weddings a year we never shoot log mode we we shoot a film simulation on our fujifilm cameras that we really like we add a lot and we worked on that look we, we shot the, we shot the cameras. We said, what's the best look we're going yep. for? It's not like we just rolled up and turned the camera on. Yep. But it's literally drag and drop. And, and you know, sure, like you could get a better look by investing 20 times as much time. Sure, you can. Is that worth it to you when you're charging $1,000 for a wedding film? <laughs> no. We do it in our high-end films because I feel like you have to add – I think the expectation for a high-end film is like a level of time put into color mm -hmm. and creating a very unique look and all those things. And like, honestly, if you just love it, great, keep doing it. But if it's causing you issues, I want to set you free and say, you're not a better, better filmmaker just because you shoot lock. Yeah. And I you don't have to. And if you're struggling with it, like, to be honest, when people say, what should I do? Usually I'll tell them like, stop doing that. Just don't do it. Do something that focus on like, you're editing, focus on a million other things. I think this um, this topic applies to a couple different types of people. One, the person that we're probably mostly talking to here is the beginner, right? Mm -hmm. The person who's starting out that's like, hey, in order to make my footage look good, I have to shoot in log and do all these things. It's like, no, there's plenty of ways to make your footage look good without filming in log. 
But then there's also the person who's maybe been filming for five, seven, even 10 years, who's like, man, I wish I could take more work or, or, or I can't imagine taking another five weddings, you know, um, because we put so much time into our post-production and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I think that also applies to that person because dude, like you could literally put on a lot and shoot in some, you know, but you can, if you understand log, and take you can do, on way more work. If like, you understand log, you can do the same thing. You sure. can put a rec 709 conversion lot, get a freaking other lot designed for it. Or you can, I don't know, crank the blacks up and saturate. Like a lot of people don't understand log and I don't, I actually don't think understanding log is a critical skill for wedding filmmakers. And I don't think it should be perceived. So, yeah. you know, I feel the same way about like, cause I know a lot of people like they shoot log and then they're thinking like, this is going to keep help me when I, um, have an overexposure issue. Mm -hmm. And you're like, do you know how easy it is? to shoot two stops over or under on log if you don't have a conversion LUT in your monitor, it's so easy. It is so hard to nail your exposure, your white balance when you're shooting log yep. without converting it to Rec. 709. So if you're not even having the right understanding about what you're doing, you don't have to, just don't do it. Yeah. And if you're interested and you wanna do it the right way, and for some reason, I don't have a problem with that. I feel the same way about like the problem you're solving is not you not knowing how to expose or white balance your footage. That's what a lot of people think. Same as, oh, I bought 32 bit float. I can't peek it out. I don't understand audio. I don't want to have to. So I'm going to get this 32 bit float and it's going to cover the fact that I don't even know what a gain structure is. It's like little things that we have purported on a Facebook board by some guy who shot 10 weddings telling you to do it versus the actual thing you should be doing, which is understanding why you're doing the thing you're doing. And I think that's really what I mean. Stop shooting log if you don't understand why you're doing it. Just get a good image in your camera. Don't worry about what people on a Facebook group say. And and here's the, the truth is a lot, we know a lot of the top tier wedding filmmakers out there and a lot of them aren't using log. No. <laughs> they aren't doing it. Like people charging $30,000. So unless you're charging $30,000 for a wedding film, uh, know that, you know, it isn't necessarily uh, necessary. It's so, not a core fundamental skill. No, no. Um, and and it's just it's just funny because a lot of times you'll be in these like groups. Oh, it's like a given, right? And, and people are like, oh, what log mode are you using? Is it like at what S log mode is everyone using these days? And, and it's just like. You're wasting time, man. What is it with Sony shooters and picture uh, it profiles? It is Sony. What it is, is so you these? Sony people out there. I we shoot Sony, by the way, um, so, for certain things, and great, they're they're great. I, like the culture around picture profiles, I don't understand it. It's a little weird. I, maybe it's just it is just the way that every Canon shooter up, just picks up their camera and goes neutral. Looks good. Looks good. Yeah. <laughs> Neutral mode, go. Uh, you know, one of these uh, episodes we should do um, uh, little profiles on the, the making of a Canon shooter versus a Sony shooter versus a Fujifilm person. That, those, those would make for good TikTok content. For yeah, sure. I mean, at the end of the day, I think I fully understand that your image is important. Yeah. And that sometimes you just want to challenge yourself. So yeah. all that stuff. Go do that thing. Yeah. Just don't do it thinking that A, you don't need to understand the fundamentals. Yeah. And B, that it somehow makes you better or your clients happier. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. Yep. 
All right, let's move on. Uh, the next one we have is stop being cheap on storage. And this is another one of your kind of irks. That oh you my gosh, on. people. The, I, I'll re, I'm going to recap a conversation that's had on loop. Can't wait. In Facebook. Hey guys, is this storage good enough for my blah, blah, blah? And it's literally a $100 Best Buy Seagate USB-C 2. And I'm like, are you, you're charging people? You're charging people money to make wedding films and you don't understand the difference between USB 2, USB-C, Thunderbolt 3. Like, you know that like we are literally in a, com like a computer driven industry, right? And then you say to them like, don't buy that, buy this. And they go, that's a ripoff. <laughs> and I'm like, you literally just bought an $800 32-bit float recorder to solve a problem that should have been solved by you understanding gain structures. And yet you don't want to buy the actual lifeblood of your entire business is where the footage lives. Like most of the time you're dealing like with footage, it's on this one hard drive. And every time it you have delays because your freaking computer is taking forever. The other thing is people will buy new computers and then I'm like, they're like, yeah, this is running so slow. And I'm like, what are you editing on? I'm editing on this computer. What's your storage? Oh, it's this terrible thing. <laughs> you don't understand that data has to come from the hard drive onto your computer. And it's like, you're pumping all your data. It's like taking a fire hose and then compressing it down into like the size of a pencil and then wondering why you're not getting the performance. So it's just like, when you bring this subject up to people, the amount of people who start to like, it's like they become nauseous to consider that they have to spend a thousand dollars on storage. What? It and, seems so evident to me. And and look, as as somebody who is creative first, you you were talking about cable length earlier today. Yes, yeah, I was. <clears throat> I was, I was <laughs> you're talking about cable length, and immediately, like I understand it because it's like, oh yeah, it travels as far, but like you're into it, and my eyes start to glaze over. I'm like, wow, okay, okay, that's cool, but I have never even thought about it. Not once in my entire life, like cable length like that that having a one foot cord instead of a three foot five foot cord or whatever and and this is you know what you're into because you're a nerd when it comes to this stuff i want every single thing about our post-production to be fast right i understand the cost i'm just like just do whatever you need to do to make everyone happy and make our lives easier like so i get it like i understand like coming from like the photo world to the video world it's like if you're a photographer, this is, this is the curse of photographers moving into, you know, our world is like, they have traditionally just bought like a one terabyte rugged drive. And that's what the, their whole wedding season is on that one yeah, drive. If you only need one tenth the power of whatever you're buying, fine, whatever. I, I do think a lot of wedding filmmakers, um, if they are like full on creative, no nerd, like, you know, um, uh, not a nerd bone in their body. It does take a come to Jesus moment before they realize. Oh yeah. Like, Oh shit. Like I really have to, I lost all my out. wedding season. I lost, even if it's just like, I lost this last wedding, like, or, or, or I lost some footage like you, a lot of creatives. Unfortunately, you have to have that come to Jesus moment where it's like, 
I will never make that same mistake. Like, cause literally I just had to pay $5,000 to get this recovered from a pro and like, you know, well, there's, there's two parts to it. Yeah. There's redundancy and safety, which is professionalism. Yes. And then there's profitability because you're not efficient because everything runs too slow. So you invest in this. This is the way creatives are. If they can see it with their eyes, they'll spend any amount of money on it. Yes. So if it's, they will buy a $5,000 computer and plug a terrible hard drive into it, mm -hmm. which makes no, it's like literally buying a Lamborghini and putting eight, like the worst gas in it. Yeah. It's like, you need to give this thing, every single part of your data chain needs to be the same speed for you to actually get the results that you're expecting to get from that computer. And when you bring it up to, it's not so much that they don't know. I don't mind if you're ignorant. What bothers me is when you do get educated on the thing you get and you immediately act like it's the dumbest suggestion in the world. Meanwhile, you're totally willing to drop $2,200 on a new lens. Yeah. That's what I think you need to stop doing. It's like actually change your priorities and say part of being a creative is caring about my actual footage. Can I edit it quickly? Will I lose it in a fire? Like, <laughs> so, stop being so, cheap about it. So, so just briefly, and we could do a whole podcast on on just storage. I guess. I, I mean, no one would listen to it. Uh, but, exactly. But that's why briefly, they're all screwed. Briefly, they listen to it. Tell tell the person at home who's like, yeah, that's me. This is me. I don't know what to do. How do I not be cheap on storage? What should just a, a basic setup? A person that's doing maybe fifteen to twenty weddings a year. What should their basic setup be? The basic setup should be you need to have some cloud-based archive, first of all. And that means spending money on sure. Dropbox or Google Drive or whatever you... Not Dropbox. Whatever you prefer. Um, and, you know, getting your stuff up there. Um, I think you should get a NAS, even if it's a two-bay, but something that will do that work for you. Because me having to upload things to the cloud via a browser is fraught with problems. If something happens and I just want to know like our backups happen overnight automatically we don't we don't do that we've given that job to a computer um, you don't have to have a NAS but I think it makes a lot of sense even if you don't edit off of it just to put things on it let it back into the cloud and then you have an editing drive so I think everyone at least needs some kind of drive in there that can I think a NAS is best which is network attached storage is an internet connected hard drive and then something fast to edit off of. And I always tell people, I'm like, just save money, get a RAID zero. Um, I guess you could get an SSD. That's fine too, but something fast. And what's important about it is way more than the disc itself. People get obsessed on the disc and I'm like, most of these discs are going to operate w whatever capacity you need. The issue is first of all, they usually don't really worry so much about the type of connector. And so you'll see people like, I got this beautiful RAID and they're plugging in with USB-C. And they're like, the transfer speeds are the same. So there's transfer speeds and there's bandwidth. USB-C has fast transfer speeds, which is great. So if you're dumping footage, USB-C is great. When you're editing, you need high bandwidth, which is four channels of 4K footage in a multicam. That thing is going to be crunched by that USB-C. So it's not how quickly the data is moving, it's how much data is moving. And that's where you need Thunderbolt 3 or something like that. So get whatever you actually want to do in your dream, editing four channels of 6K, buy that right away. 
Don't buy it when you have a project that needs it. So buy a very fast local drive that you edit off of. Yes, with high bandwidth, ideally Thunderbolt 3. Thunderbolt 3, have a kind of hub drive that's your, A, your backup, and then also a a place that kind of stores all of your footage, maybe Mm -hmm. from the entire season. In our case, that's our NAS, which automatically backs up to the cloud, which is our triple redundancy, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And that's basically what we think most people should have, some form of of that. Some form of triple redundancy, some kind of high bandwidth, high speed DAS, which direct attached storage that you can edit off of. And then, you know, like, then there's a variation. Like, people focus on, like, oh, don't get don't get um, normal hard drives, only SSDs. Not true. If Like, did you know that the more disks you have in a RAID 0, the faster it runs? It, most people probably didn't know that, but if you have a six-bay with normal three-and-a-half-inch hard drives in it, that thing is going to rip. Right. It's going to be plenty fast for you. So if I'm going to spend the money between Thunderbolt 3 normal disks versus Thunderbolt 3 SSD. I'm not going to spend the money on that. I'm going to spend the money on big storage, fast transfer speeds. Right. Not fast read write. Right. Yep. And, and you know, if anyone has questions on, on that kind of stuff, Jason is definitely the, the wealth of knowledge, I think, in our entire industry of uh, what to be doing here because we, uh, we have quite the systems going on over here. It's actually pretty insane. Mainly just um, don't be cheap. Like, just get what you really need. Yep. And you will regret it. You will. Reg- this was like a thing that will, like, you could buy all cheap lenses and shoot an incredible wedding. You cannot cheap out on this. Yes. Cool. All right. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, number four, stop screwing yourself with bad packages. Ugh, um, and yeah. this kind of moves into more my world with doing sales and then also following through with uh, delivery. And and how many, how many times, Jay, in doing... WFS Live, have you come across people who are delivering a bad product because it's what they promised in their contract? Ugh, it's all the time. It, it's like, well, this is what they want. And I was like, are you sure it's what they want? Are you sure it's not just what you sold them? And because you didn't, and by the way, I do understand people struggle with this because they're not sure what to sell people. And so I'm not like, I don't really judge people for it. But I do want people to understand, you should stop doing things that hurt your business when you're the only one who's forcing you to do it. Yeah, but it's all the time. The, the main thing that we come across is people that are like, you watch their film, and at the end of the film, you think about it for a second, and you go, that film was about three minutes too long. Well, that they was were, boring. Why? That was boring. Uh, you, it didn't have any punch. It had an extra song for no reason. Um, you should have cut it down, three minutes. You, and, and essentially what a lot of people are doing is just stretching that footage out to make a longer film. Mm -hmm. And when it's that thin, it starts to feel thin. It exposes the weaknesses of what you're either the day, the couple, your shooting, whatever. You're putting sawdust in the soup. You're just having it be filler, which is gross, gross filler. You don't want to do that in a wedding film. You want to make your films feel punchy. Um, and so, you know, this um, concept of, of screwing yourself with bad packages, I think it, length of film is definitely one thing um, that I think can screw people. Um, what's our what's our approach to, to this? Because a lot of people will be like, well, how can I have different packages yeah, yeah. if I don't have different length films? I think what I see is people often, 
I don't want to say no one should do this, but I will say, in my opinion, I don't think it's the best way to sell where people have these packages that are like package one, six hours, package two, eight hours, package three, 10 hours. Well, that's the other thing too, is coverage. Yeah, but the coverage, it starts with their coverage, right? So they set these packages up by coverage. Then they try to, they're working in the opposite direction, which is they shoot six hours and then they try to find a way to make the edit as good as a 10 hour. And they're like, oh, well, what am I going to do? And I'm like, you didn't have to shoot six hours. You could have shot 10. Well, but they only bought 10. They only bought six. And and I'm like, why? Why why did you, why are you giving, like, what if you shot all your films for 10 hours and then you just charge people different amounts of money? Make up that in post. Right. Make up them, like, your money should be made in post. Like, I personally don't care about two hours on a wedding day. Right. My, my whole thing has been, we've always delivered, we've said, hey, this is a highlight film. It's always going to be. Right now, our highlight film is always five to six minutes, no matter what package people get. Five to six minute long film. And then for all of our days of coverage, six to 10 hours of coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, because what do, what do I care? Like, at the end of the day, I'm still going to be, even if I'm there for six, if I'm there for seven, eight, nine, ten 10 hours, the deliverable is still going to be five to six minutes long. And what that does is it frees me up. Like, I'm not going to have that person, uh, the couple be like, well, what happens if you're there for five and a half hours? Can you take off an extra $300 or whatever? I'm like, no, 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 no. It's all the same amount. You can't play that game with me. It's all the same amount. I'm on site. Well, and how many times have people called you and been like, well, what's, how much time are you there? And then you're like, oh, 10 hours. And like, oh, that's really great. The other guy said this to me. Mm -hmm. People do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not even going to play that game. I'm just going to say I'm up. Usually I'm there nine to 10 hours because me, I would rather show up early. And that's another thing, like a whole nother conversation. I would rather show up early, get my feet underneath me, film some extra B-roll if I want to, because I'm the one creating the film. I don't want to give the producer hat to the bride and groom. I still want to be the producer, director, DP, you know, gaffer. I want to be all those roles. I don't want to give that responsibility. You don't want them to just randomly decide how to make a wedding film, even though they've never actually yeah, done it. Because what happens is you're, you're put in this position of if they hire me for five and a half hours because they want to save money, then I'm, I'm going to be there either for five and a half hours and I'm going to produce a, a less quality film or I'm just going to have to work overtime at, to produce a better film. And so may as well just say, Hey, I'm going to be there for six to 10 hours. And that, honestly, when people hire you, um, they're hiring you a lot of times. Uh, they're hiring us at least two years in advance. Sometimes they don't know what their schedule is going to be. They don't know how long they need me for. So I just take that off their shoulders, take it off my shoulders. Well, and people just, I say because six they're to 10 ignorant, hours. people are ignorant. Yeah. And they think more time means different things, yeah. you know, versus like, we're like, this is how much time shooting it takes to make this five minute video. Yes. Versus this is the video I can make in six hours. This is a video I can make in eight hours. This is a video I can make in 10 hours. We want our deliverable to be super consistent. So that way for a lot of reasons, not, I mean, not inserting, I, I could even say with this point, like people are inserting these pointless variables in their post-production process. So they're constantly everything is different for no reason. Everything mm-hmm. being unique because you're being inspired, that's one thing. Yeah. Just pointlessly not knowing what you're gonna get with every wedding, I don't understand that. Like, Right. I, I don't see it being a good um, sales point to tell someone, hey, 
upgrade and you get an extra minute in your film. I don't see a lot of people really caring about that. They care more about the quality. They care more about like the style of film that you're delivering. If you say like, well, you're going to pay $3,000 for a five to six minute film. You're going to pay $4,000 for a eight to nine minute film. Like people don't think of it that way. They just think, do I like that film or not? And, and I would say we, we do things, we do have a longer film. So I, I don't want to just completely trash it, but it's much longer. Like we have our highlight film, which is five to six. And it's on. actually different. And it is different. Yeah. And then we also have uh, what we're calling a doc edit. We should probably call it something else, but a doc edit, which is more like around 16. It's supposed to be like a documentary long. versus a highlight. Sure. But in like order, a real document in order for people to get that, I do require them to do multiple days of coverage so that we can really fill it with the meat. You know, we really want to show like more content. Um, in a film like that. So it is very different. Um, and, and I think that's easier for people to understand. If they want the longer edit, hey, here's a way to get that. And it allows me to use my sales uh, or my packages. But most people aren't even doing other. that. They're, they're doing like this. So over- minute in, in a way that makes it kind of hard for the couple to even make a decision. Yes. Like, because they, they're like, I don't know. Do I want an eight or nine? Or do I want a seven or eight minute film? Like it's just, and that's hard for you as a creative because sometimes you're like, I just want to, do what this piece is calling for me to do. You know what your sweet spot is as a filmmaker, like, and you should try to make that as much as possible. Yep. And you should be okay telling a couple, you don't want that or I don't make that because it's not as good as this. This is what I do. This is what I do best. If you want me to be at my best, this is how much time I need to do it. Like, in, what's funny is in commercial, this is the most counterintuitive thing in the world, and you would never do it this way. How much time do you want, coverage-wise, for this interview? Right. Like, no, you say, okay, this is how much time it takes. What What do you want? You want five interviews? Okay, that's probably going to take two days. Like Minimum 30 minutes yeah. with the person, 20 minutes in between. Here's all the, uh, here's the time it takes for the grip guys to set up. Yeah. Bah, 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 bah. I would that. say it, it is a little bit different because we're the ones offering the product. We're the ones saying, you know, here's the shiny thing in the window. Do you want that? And then they're like, yes, I want that. You say, okay, this is what it's going to cost. That's, yeah, how, but it, that's how the interaction should be. Yes. Here's what I make. This is how I make it. Instead, we go, here's some things I make. And then the person really doesn't know, like, tangibly the difference between one or the other and the client's not educated enough so we're saying stop setting up your packages in ways that just make you lose money for no reason be thoughtful if there's a if you really love shooting six hours eight hours ten hours you're just really inspired by that it really is great like what do i care right i don't care fine do it that way but i've only heard i've heard a lot of people complaining where they have issues where the couple is a little confused frustrated and the filmmaker is frustrated and confused and I've consulted with some people over the years and I'm like stop doing it that way and they've told me like later they're like yeah we changed it we did this we we we, we say all day coverage and then we just because what we do is we say all day coverage package one you get this highlight film package two you get this highlight film and what other people would call doc edits we call them linear edits package three you get two days of coverage and a longer film and a highlight film. Mm-hmm. So you get like the base. So what we do, we have a base package and we just add stuff to it. So we're trying to sell them edits. We're not trying to sell them coverage. Yes. And I think 
when you think of it that way, it's like how much most of your time is as a wedding filmmaker is in post. It's not in production. And, and just to clarify, when you say we're selling edits, we sell creative edits. You know, we sell the ones that are cut, you know, clips cut to music with sound bites. But when we're saying we sell edits, we're selling the ceremony, the toasts, the dances, all as separate a la carte items teasers like teasers that's a creative edit the doc well, edit is a creative in the edit. sales process we're bringing them down to what they're gonna get but not the, how they're gonna get it right but those are mostly add-on items that differentiate our packages mm -hmm. is do you want your highlight great you get a highlight do you want the highlight plus a second videographer plus a couple of these kind of edited events that's another package and then our, our third package now is like two days of coverage, rehearsal coverage. So that one is like just more coverage, but it's an extra day that I really brand that as like, that's our two day kind of package. But they're getting a lot more edits. Getting a lot more edits and pre-drone coverage. And like, there's there's some add-ons. So it's not the time that we're covering on the wedding day itself that we're kind of gradually working up to. It's like, what edits are you receiving? What What product are you receiving at the end of the day? That's a lot easier for people to understand. So just as an overview, just making it much easier to sell your package by simplifying it for your clients, mm -hmm. right? As easy as possible for them to give you money. That's kind of the goal. Yep. All right, so let's talk about the last uh, point that we wanna make, which is stop idolizing destination work. Yeah. And is this like a pet peeve of yours, Jason? No, I wouldn't say it's a pet peeve because like I can relate, you know, I think like when we started, I think, Everybody has like this idea of like, there are literally people who start wedding filmmaking exclusively to travel. Yeah, true. Not what, that's not a sustainable motive over time, but I think a lot of people like. Well, and, and, and I would just kind of clarify, there are a lot of people running really successful destination yes. style companies, right? To be, to, to charge a certain price point, you have to be a destination. So like there are realities that come with destination. Like the most high end weddings are going to require bring, you to fly. And they're going to bring people in because yep. that's just the, the culture of those planners of that world is like, Oh, I'm not going to work with a local person. Hmm. No, we need to bring in so-and-so from New York and so-and-so from France. And like, that's the culture. If you want to be in that price point, you got to be in that place. I think the reality though of the actual like being doing destination work and like what goes into it is probably lost on a lot of people. I think they think it's a lot more glamorous than it is and a lot more profitable than it is. This is what I would say about most destination work that I've seen. And, and maybe this is just, um, my, uh, observation. Um, but I think it's true. Um, most people that are, are traveling, uh, I would say probably about more than 50% are doing it at a discount. Mm -hmm. If you're like, hey, I'm trying to get into the destination world, the only way that you can really do it is by offering people a discount. Like, Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, there's like, there's two people who are doing it. There's the high, high, high-end people, and then there's the happy-to-be-there people. Yep. And the reason why I know this is because a lot of the people that are doing it professionally and charging a lot of money to travel – are pissed at the people who are <laughs> cutting their legs out from underneath them, who are who are undercutting them the entire time. Um, and so there are a lot of people that are upset at the people that are like, oh yeah, I'll travel for free. I'll take the hit because I want to be able to travel to 
you know, Italy to shoot. And by the way, I think more, I actually have no problem with you doing that. And if people are mad about it. Well, but but at the end of the day, that's not something I have to deal with when I'm filming in my own backyard. And so people should be able to do whatever they want. I think the main thing we're saying here is just be aware that even if you become successful, at becoming a destination wedding filmmaker and you have this glamorous life and you're in Texas and then you're in France and then you're in Italy and then you're over in, you know, Southeast Asia. Um, there's always going to be people that are undercutting you. That's not something you have to deal with when you're uh, working in your own well, backyard or not. I guess you have to deal with it, but you don't have to deal with it as much. There's not this like, Hey, I will undercut this one person at every single corner. And that's, you're much more competitive when you're able to stay local. The pricing strategy for destination is way, way, way trickier as well. And because like we have a wedding in July and travel alone is going to be like three or four grand. Yeah. I mean, we booked this wedding two, three years ago and we were like, hey, here's our travel fee for getting there now what are gas prices three years later? Like yeah, it's, it's gone pre, through the roof. Pre COVID we booked this thing. All these hotels now are l- ridiculous. What is it like $800 a night for the hotel that they, Oh yeah, that's everywhere. <laughs> and so, so the, at, the, at the end of the day, like what I want people to think through is like the actual truth about destination work is that there's a massive price to pay for that too. And when they're making decisions about their business and their own health, satisfaction, families, creativity, like I remember when we got this gig in um, Dominican and there's nothing wrong with the couple. They were sweet. Fine. It was totally fine. Coverage was fine. Film was fine. Everything's fine. But I remember getting there and thinking like, oh, we're going to get to do all this cool stuff. And then there's all these issues with the resort. And then it was tropical storming all day and you couldn't leave the resort. You couldn't, You like when we shoot weddings in the Cape, we're like, I know this one spot and I know this other spot. We can like, we have the run of the land. Right. When we go destination, you go to Mexico, you go to, especially in like countries that maybe aren't like developed um, in the same way, maybe places where they might be perceived to be more unsafe. Even if they're not, um, you're just not going to be able to have as many options. You kind of got to go, like literally you get there and they're like, oh, you can't fly drone. We're going to actually take your drone and keep it forever and put it in jail. Like, there's a lot more layers. There's so many layers to destination and not even looking at the personal cost of your own personal life, the community you live in, your family. Like, oh, like you don't like being you you don't like missing Saturdays. Imagine missing 25 weekends a year. Yep. That's what destination work is. It's it's it, for all the sports fans out there. It's the difference between playing at home and playing away, mm-hmm. playing, you know, against the crowd kind of thing home field so, advantage is real it's real yeah and, and and there's nothing wrong with it and if if i think all i care about i don't care what you do in terms of how you set your business up because some people they just get the opportunities and they end up being destination don't even know how they got there just what happened yep. whoa i hit something with my hand if you're wondering what that sound i'm not editing this out jared we got to keep it raw um <laughs> that's not like us on this show <laughs> but but what I see a lot of times is they they forego perfectly good businesses that they're happy with. And when you get really dig into it, it's like, well, I just want to be perceived as one of the best. Or I want, you know, I, I heard this one podcast. And they told me how to get into destination. So I wanted to do it. Like, and you ask them, like, are you dissatisfied with your local work? Like, what's the problem? 
they're not even really fixing a problem. They're just doing what they thought they're supposed to do. Yeah, it's true. And and how many people do you know that travel every single weekend that are like, man, I wish I just got to work in my own backyard more. Every, like once you're single, there. every single filmmaker I know that is primarily destination always at one point says to me, man, I wish I had all the local weddings you did. It must be nice to see your kids at night. Yeah. After you shoot a wedding. Mm-hmm. Like, I agree. <laughs> it's I agree. pretty great. I f- and I fully like, I get why we all end up where we end up. Mm-hmm. Like, and things are, we all have different priorities and situations that we're. Yeah. If in. we had to travel, we would certainly travel every single weekend to, to do what we do for sure. Probably. I would definitely limit it. Of course. Yeah. Like you would I have would, to figure it out. I would get my 10 weekends or whatever. I, I wouldn't want to be traveling. And th- so that's the second side, the cost side. If I'm only if I'm willing to do ten destination weddings, but I'm willing to do twenty five local weddings, even if I'm charging ten grand for those ten destination weddings, are they really making me more wedding mm-hmm. or more money? Mm-hmm. It, like as a business person, like you have to think about like capacity. I was listening to Elon Musk the other day, and he was talking about his Gigafactory, and his big thing he keeps talking about, and like this is what really smart people know is it's not about demand; it's about production the ability to produce all those batteries. That's the, that's what's going to save the world and create renewable energy is that we actually can't make them fast enough to, to make them cheap enough and to get them out there. That's how smart people think of businesses is it's like a balance of what can I make and how much time I have. And if you're telling me like, Oh, it's, it's only 10 weekends. Well, it's three or four days for every one of those weekends versus one day. So like 30 days of shooting locally on Saturdays versus 30 days being away to make 10 weddings. Mm-hmm. That's the math you should be looking at. If, if, can I do 20, like 60, 90 days of travel to shoot 20 weddings versus 40 days to shoot 40 weddings? You're actually spending more time on the destination wedding than you are on the local wedding, even though you're doing twice as many weddings. Yep, that's totally true. And, and we, a lot of times, especially recently, will be filming a wedding on a Saturday get a call from you know the mother of the bride or or the bride and they'll say hey can you cover um saturday night like we are available like a lot of times if you're doing destination work like you might not be you might be like hey i actually have something that i'm flying in on friday now i have to fly in on thursday and it just complicates it so much more it's just like there's so many more layers and then here's if, if you said the the second side of things i would say here's the third side of things is I think a lot of people assume there's a lot more demand for destination work. And the fact is there really isn't. So when you want to get in, fight, man. when you want to get into that world, yeah, I would say definitely a rock fight, a knife fight, I, whatever it is, but it's bloody man. Like people are competing there in that space. And it's, just you're like, not competing versus me. Yeah. You're competing against the best in the world. So good luck with you. Like they're stronger, bigger, faster than <laughs> most they have people. more experience. I mean, it doesn't mean you can't do it. Yeah. But. Yeah. And, and so I, I would say the market is so small there and the amount that it's glorified in the industry. I'm not saying it's a bad thing because it is cool. Like traveling is freaking cool, man. The best looking weddings in the world are destination. A- ask, ask me how I feel about travel. Like I just got back from Amsterdam and then I went to California and like, I'm aren't you glad place, you weren't man. shooting a wedding though? So glad I'm not <laughs> shooting a wedding. I would rather enjoy it while lazily gliding down a river eating gouda and drinking beer like that's that's my idea of destination anything 
Like if I have to put a camera in my hand, it's great. But like you and I were in Italy a couple of years ago. It was work, you know, grueling. it was grueling work, carrying around. Like it's just work. It is work. Um, so I don't know. Uh, personally, like I, I do enjoy shooting that kind of work every once in a while. I think it would kill me if it was every single weekend. So um, mainly just I think at the core of every one of these stop doing this that we mentioned is like don't just do crap just because like even listening to this podcast like use your freaking brain and like do what's good for you and your life and your business and don't just do things like people get stuck in these like feedback loops where they're doing things that they don't even like or want to be doing with their business and they think they have to do it and it's like you don't have to right like you don't have to you don't have to shoot destination to make 200k yeah i think you know uh one of the things that we've done well over the years is like a lot of people would probably call you a contrarian um surprise surprise um i'm actually not though i don't think you are um but you do i'm disagreeable you, you are disagreeable um for sure but i think um it's what has helped our business thrive. Like we aren't satisfied with the sta- with the status quo. We're always trying to reinvent. Like, well, why are we doing this this way? Like, I'm always looking at my packages. Like, we're selling um, these these uh, for uh, an example. We're selling these vertical edits um, for a while, you know. And I was like, no one cares about these. Like, if I didn't, I wasn't always just trying to like be, make a better product. I would probably just keep on selling them and be like, oh, maybe they'll catch on. Maybe they're not. I just canned them. I was like, this is pointless. It's actually a lot more work than what we should be doing. I'll bring this up to people. And they're like, can we cut this out of the package? Like, can we save $100, like $200 or whatever? I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, and so there's certain items that are working against me. Um, but always kind of like questioning what you're doing asking yourself like why are we going to be doing this like that that's a good thing for anyone's business in general so, mm-hmm. yeah um, give yourself the opportunity to get better like you said use your brain and if you're using your brain you'll give this uh podcast five-star review mm-hmm. on uh wherever you're listening to podcasts whether it's spotify or apple music wherever it is um guys we, uh, we are doing a lot over here at wedding film school trying to bring you a lot of really great free content um, so the like, the thumbs up, uh, the stars, all those things really help um, with all these algorithms. Um, if you are enjoying this uh, podcast, make sure you're checking out the Facebook group because that's kind of a more community style approach um, to answering people's questions. Um, hopefully the long form content is also helpful for you as well, where Jay and I are sitting down. We're going to start having more guests on once we actually are in the right space. Uh, and it's a little bit easier for us to just turn everything on and get to it. Um, this is going to be a crazy wedding f- season for us. We're shooting another, I think we're shooting more weddings this year than last year. Sorry You're fool. Say, Jason. Uh, I think we're up to like 200, probably 225 this year. Ugh. So it's going to be busy for us. So we need a space that we could just turn on, shoot the shit for an hour or two, and then, uh, get back to work. Cause we have a lot of it, but we do plan on bringing a lot of really great content, a lot of behind the scenes. We actually have two that are on the way that are already shot that are being edited. They'll be coming out soon. So check that out on the YouTube channel. Hmm. Um, we also uh, next week on the 11th are doing a um, what was that? The business 
So next week we're going to and sign up for this actually. We're going to be doing a um, team building workshop for wedding filmmakers and it's really people who are interested in adding team members. It could just be anyone. If you're interested in adding just associates and just having people shoot under you or you just want to add assistance and you want to start building a culture where you're not having to do everything by yourself, I think both would apply. Um, and it's free and you just head over to weddingfilm.school forward slash classes um, and you can sign up and we would love to see you there. And I, it's going to be during the day. I think it's at one o'clock. Yep. Um, so sign up over there and yeah. Cool. Thanks for the details, dude. Guys, thank you for listening to this episode. Hopefully it's been helpful for you and your business and it's been fun along the way. Make sure you are subscribing and we will see you next week here on the Wedding Film School Show.